If you mention math or science to someone in the broader culture, it seems that everyone champions STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Is there a way to experience the good aspects of STEM without buying into all of it? Can it be taught Christianly? Stay tuned to this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it ancient future education for raising the next generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Well, welcome to Basecamp Live. We are back here at the big Basecamp stage. Kelly Barber joining me here. Great Hi. to be here. I won't say what time of day, but great to be we here. Were, we were just, t- somebody came up to us and said, you know, I listen in the evening, but you always say good morning. So right. I don't know, that's just because Kelly's so, always in the morning spirit, I think. This is an undetermined time right undetermined now. Undetermined time. Well, we're we're suspending time, and, and rightly so, because we were here with a, a very <laughs> smart individual, Dr. Mitch Stokes, a senior fellow of philosophy at New St. Andrews College. Mitch, welcome to Basecamp Live. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's good, good to good, be here. Yeah, it's good to have you here. I, for those, those that don't know you, my daughter goes to New St. Andrews, so... Um, She's going to have you next year, so i got to be really careful in this interview. <laughs> I might say she's, been hand, she's been bringing coffee she, up she's here. She's actually running camera things, here yeah. for us, and she's like, Dad, don't mess things up because i got to have a good year next year. So. Um, but Mitch, you received your Ph.D. in philosophy. I love this from Notre Dame, uh, then an M.A. in religion from Yale. I, these are just small community colleges, I know. But these are pretty significant institutions. But here's what's amazing. You also have an M.S. in mechanical engineering, and then prior to your teaching career, I got to find out about this. You're, you worked in international for an international engineering firm where you earned five patents, if I can even say this, in aeroderivative gas turbine technology. Now Kelly will know what that is. Right. I'll explain it to you later. Yeah. Can you can you, you explain it to me can too? Can you later. explain <laughs> what this is? Because I'm I'm just I know we got things to talk about, but I don't yeah. know what aeroderivative gas turbine technology is. Yeah, it's really just a three dollar phrase for a fan. Yeah, it's a big fan. No, it, <laughs> th- these are j- jet engines that are used for power generation, and in order to get the emissions and the efficiency right, we used we worked with Rolls Royce on their hmm. with their um, aero engines and used some of their technology for that. That is. That's so we're adapting aero, aero technology for the power generation. Huh. That sounds really exciting. So how many years were you doing yeah, that? Like six or seven years. Six or seven yeah. years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So do you have a Rolls Royce now? From yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have, I've got a couple. <laughs> All college professors have Rolls Royce. Of course. Yeah, that's yes. each other. I always joke about going back into philosophy for the money. And, and you know, that's just... <laughs> Well, I, I, in all seriousness, I mean, it's wonderful to have someone. I, I don't know what the official profile is these days of a Renaissance man, but you definitely have both sides of this going. You can do the Shakespeare thing, and you can also do some serious calculus, it sounds like. The, there's a technical word. I think it's nerd. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Well. It's Latin. Yeah. I, no. <laughs> well, it's, it's perfect apropos for our topic today, Mitch, because I know, again, I think a lot of times here at Basecamp we're kind of battling the stereotypes of classical Christian education right, and certainly right. one of those is that oh that's that kind of education for the uh, mild-mannered probably girl who likes wearing uniforms and doing little Latin quizzes thing and maybe plays the violin on the side but we're talking about a, a, a living in a day and time where the God of science uh, is sort of before us and I think a lot of parents get conflicted because they think I really have a lot of admiration for my neighbor whose kids are building robots and right. involved in the STEM program. So you've got, we're really just going to kind of jump into this whole thing of the relationship between classical Christian education and STEM. And are they diametrically opposed or can they exist together? 
talk about that for yeah, us. Yeah, no, that's a. I think this is one of the critical issues, uh, not just of our time and um, not just of classical Christian ed, but I think also of our culture in general. I mean, it's not just uh, Christians who are seeing this problem. You know, you get people like Jordan Peterson talking about the humanities and how they're not done well, and the, this integration of STEM. I mean, even Einstein talks about the lack of interdisciplinary back yeah. and forth between liberal arts and, and science and how that hurts science. Yeah. But it also hurts the humanities, and I think this is one of the things that we really need to... It, it's crucial, but what's exciting is that we have... Um, we have a, few, a handful of things that we can do now that are very simple and high-yield. But the thing is, in order to understand both the, the sciences and the humanities and then to integrate that in a, a Christian education, they've got to be integrated. And, but thankfully, and this is one of the things, that, so sometimes you get math people who they just like math and they just, you know, they just enjoy And that's great. Kelly's kind of like that. <laughs> you. So, so I meant that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wish I was, yeah. but I'm not. So, you know, I, I'm not the kind that likes to do Rubik's Cubes and I don't, um, well, I wish I could. Uh, chess, I like all right. But, you know, it's not this, I don't go around looking for math everywhere. What happened is uh, when I was an engineer, I had the cr- this crisis of faith. And that's a different, that's another story. We can talk about that. But went into uh, philosophy mm. to get some of my questions answered and all of that. And so went into that and studying that I found, I, I discovered, I didn't invent that the story that Western civilization, the history of Western thought really grew up around people responding mm. to the math and sciences yeah. and developments there. Yeah. And so it's not a... So here's one of the things. It's not like you go around and like, oh, I'm a math guy. So, or I, you know, it's like I just got this new hammer, and so everything's a nail. Well, what, let's see. I love math. Let's try to fit math into this shoehorn it into this mm-hmm. curriculum. It's not. It's not that at all. It's actually something that is very simple or very natural because it actually happened. Right. And so what you're saying is that it, we've we have a the last hundred years, 20th century problem taken made this false separation. Yeah. Throughout Western education. I mean, you had the trivia and the quadrivium and, and math and astronomy. These were all right, part, part, right. part of the way we discovered the world. Yeah. And that, and the specialization, uh, it, it's, you kind of, you're stuck with it. Right. You know, I mean, if you're going to be able to do some of the things that you need to do in physics or whatever it is, you, you have to specialize. But I think you can do both. Um, it really doesn't, it's remarkably easy to fix this if we can just get people to see what the, why you would need it, you know, that there is an integration problem, and then to just here give them the tools to do it. And, and it's, I think there's some high yield things that are, that can be done quickly. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's exciting. So, so just to kind of make sure we, we just immediately jumped in this term STEM, I want to make sure everybody kind of knows what that is. Uh, there's STEM and there's STEAM, and so <laughs> I can't even keep up with them all. But clearly there's been a movement, and I don't even, maybe you can speak into this, kind of when this thing really got rolling, but it just seems like it's, that's the new uh, edgy thing. You want to have your kid in a school that's got a STEM program because STEM is science, technology, yeah. Engineering, and mathematics, yeah. And then what's the STEAM that's got another? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't, I'm not sure. Art, maybe? maybe it's art. Arch- okay, yeah. We should be up on all of this, but... Uh, I'll Google it. You work on that, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
again, this the, are you seeing this? Uh, it's just kind of an increased um, tension there. That's I do, and, and it, but it's not it's not new. It's just getting worse. I mean, uh, you go back to someone like C.P. Snow, who wrote I think in the fifties this article about the two cultures and how the humanities and the sciences don't really know each other's discipline, and so it's hurting both. Yeah. So that was, so that that's going back. At yeah. least to then, um, Einstein saw the problem. But I think after World War II, particularly with all the technology and how, I mean, science works, you know, yeah. that kind of yeah. that, that, uh, phrase. And so after World War II, there was a lot of emphasis on STEM. Then you have the Cold War. And then, so STEM, STEM, STEM. And we've just gone into this ditch. And I think one of the great things about classical Christian education is we, we've recaptured this liberal arts aspect, if you want to call it. I mean, I, I hate to put liberal arts as opposed to STEM or humanities as opposed to STEM because they're really the same thing, um, part of the same whole. So we've done a great job in recapturing that and emphasizing that. But I think we've uh, also, we're, 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 we've gone into the other ditch where mm. we've rejected. Yep. You know, so, and, and there's different people that have different ideas about it, like, oh, look, I wish my kid were doing this STEM. Some people are like, you know what, I'd I see how the STEM problem, you know, focusing only on STEM is, you know, you're, you're basically truncating your education. So let's, but you just, like almost everything in life, you've got to avoid the ditches. Right. Can't isolate them. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting that that STEM focus coming out of an era, right, where that was the industrial machine that was being created in Germany, right? And yet we still took that and the message we took from that was more education, but STEM education. Yeah. You yeah. know, and we missed the core of the what was really the underlying issue right. of how the, the populace was educated. So well, I mean isn't it really yeah. just it's it's the the issue at heart is an issue of utilitarianism because we yeah. look at humanities as just staring at the ether mm -hmm. and, and practical people go get real technical right. jobs or right. get yeah. jobs you're gonna earn a living. I mean I think right. that's a right part of the tension. Well, well, and I think that was, a, and, and, I, and I felt that too when I was getting my own engineering degree. I mean, the reason I went into engineering wasn't because I was thoughtful about it. It was because I was good at math and science and I wanted to make a good living. Sure. And, you know, I mean, giving the power of career choice to a young man that <laughs> foolish, that was really too bad. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, it, it God draws yeah. straight with crooked lines. And I, there's this, um, yeah, I think there's this practical sure. aspect of it, but the problem, and in, in, in so when some STEM folks are thinking, well, what's the practical aspect of humanities? There's actually a huge practical aspect. I mean, if you look look at Einstein, um, you know, coming up with general relativity, his debate with Niels Bohr when it comes to quantum mechanics back in the early 20th century, I mean, they're reformulating physics based on philosophy. Hmm. You know, they're, they're taking all things, yeah. you know, from Kant, Mach, Hume, and, and just it's influencing how you, what is a scientific theory supposed to do? I mean, uh, Einstein actually, in some ways, re rejected aspects of quantum mechanics because of his philosophy, mm -hmm. because that's just not the way the world yeah. works or what science ought to do. Right. And so, it turns out that that's a crisis now is trying to figure out, well, how do we interpret quantum mechanics and all that? Mm -hmm. But all of that matters for science. And you can't answer those questions unless you know the humanities and the philosophy. Yeah, they absolutely have to fit together. So, so, you're, so Mitch, I think we, we've kind of, we're stating the problem. We're going to take a break here in a minute and come back and kind of just talk about how do we, what, what do schools look like, what do our homes look like when it comes to balancing these two things. But the, the, 
the point that you're trying to, that you're making is clearly that it's it's a false dichotomy. We it shouldn't is. fall on either side of the ditch. And a lot of times as parents, we pick, we, we give up the Shakespeare thing for the robot thing, and really those should never be right. two separate things. And, and it's yeah. and it's entirely natural and understandable. I mean, think about how just about everyone listening, everyone. I mean, We've all been trained in one or the other. Yeah. We specialize. Yeah. I mean, so that's part of the problem, too. It's like, well, how do you fix this when everyone's been trained? Right. To we don't even know you can put chocolate and peanut butter together. Yeah. <laughs> there, per- there. That's perfect. Has anybody thought of that Perfect. Yet? No, that's, really good idea that is chocolate. evidence of divine design. <laughs> <laughs> so I, why don't we take a break? I want to come back and figure out what does chocolate and peanut butter look like when you that's do great. STEM and I love it. humanities? And, and maybe we could market this thing or patent yeah, it or no, something. Yeah, no, I'm I, on it. I'm I, let's do this. <laughs> let me find someone else to do a patent. We'll be right back <laughs> and talk more with Mitch Stokes. Hey, Kelly, it's a break here in the middle of our Basecamp Live podcast, and I just want to take a moment and convey to everyone listening how much I appreciate hearing from people out there. It really is encouraging to know who's listening and where and what state of the world they are with regard to classical education. It is hugely encouraging. It is. I mean, I don't mind just talking to you, but it is good to hear from other people. So thank you for all of you who've taken just a moment and dropped us an email, info at basecamplive.com. Some of you are emailing just to say um, hello, which is great. Some of you are... Um, telling your stories. And that's really a blessing to us. A lot of you who just say, I want to tell you my story personally, or as our school is transitioning into classical Christian, we want to know what's happening in your world. Um, for some of you, it'd be great to get you on the Climber series, but it's a, I'm humbled. I mean, literally, we are getting emails. Got one just last week from a classical Christian school in North Africa. I'm not even allowed to say where because they're in a pretty mm. challenging environment, mm. but blessings to these guys. They looked all around at various forms of education and said, this is what mm. we need to do to affect change for Christ in this part of the world. Well, and, and again, the whole notion of base camp, right, is we're getting together. We're, you know, kind of stocking, taking stock and figuring out what we can do to help each other out. There's a couple conferences this summer you're going to be yep. at. There's some more opportunities there. Yeah, we're going to be on the road. If you're attending the ACCS conference, uh, please join us. We're going to have an entire stage set up. Kelly, you're going to be there with me. We're going to literally, we've never done this before. It's going to be just like a rolling live. We're going to have a live audience. I don't know, we'll probably do a dozen podcasts. So wow. it will be a lot of great interaction uh, there at the conference, and then we'll be at the SCL conference in Austin this summer, so getting around these great gatherings of classical Christian folks. But please drop us an email. We'd love to hear your story, and we'd love to uh, be of support to you. I'm increasingly doing more and more just consulting and coming alongside schools, so uh, reach out to us, info at basecamplive.com. Welcome back to Basecamp Live here with Dr. Mitch Stokes. We're talking about this dichotomy that shouldn't exist between the world of classical Christian humanities and STEM. So we're just talking about the genius idea of putting chocolate and peanut butter together. But what does that actually look like? I know that <laughs> I know what that looks like as a Reese cup, but I don't know what that looks like in a school. Can you walk me through that? Yeah, there's a, there's a short game and a long game. Um, and I th- when it comes to the, the short game, well, let me give you an example. I just recently did a, a this lecture series for a homeschool curriculum. It was Roman Roads and, and Old Western Culture, and I did the Enlightenment section. So it was a 12-week portion, did the Enlightenment section, taught about Hume, you know, I mean, taught about the Enlightenment. Yep. But a lot of it was also scientific revolution and how Hume and Kant were responding 
So I told this story, and, and again, I'm not making this up. It's not like I had to, contour, you know, it's ad hoc <laughs> or anything like that. I just told the story because what I found is that these guys, like human Kant, were responding and trying to make sense of Newtonian mechanics and epistemology of, you know, the, the study of knowledge. And like, how, how could this even work? You know, how can math work? How can we have these scientific... So they were responding to that. And it just naturally falls out. So here's a... So this is part of, for this uh, curriculum, it's a humanities curriculum. And I taught humanities, <laughs> and, but it was also, they're learning about the scientific revolution, why calculus was important, the problem of speed, and why you needed Newton to invent the calculus. I mean, because all of that, you can't understand Newton and Kant. I mean, you can't stand, can't stand Kant, that's for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> Kant. Um, you can't understand Hume or Kant without understanding what. Because yeah. they were both explicitly responding yeah. to right. Newton. So is part of the problem the curriculum that we're working with? I, yeah, I think, and a big part is the specialization that we're having to overcome. So we're, we're trying to give things that we haven't received ourselves. Mm. And so every once in a while, like, again, the re, one of the only, I just stumbled on it. And it was because of a crisis in faith. You know, it was like this hard point in my life, but it ended up being wow, a discovery of sorts. And I think once we start seeing, and other people have thought about this too, but mm. because we're so ingrained, even in philosophy, even in STEM engineering, the people in philosophy went into philosophy mostly because they're not STEM folks. You know, I mean, that's the right. kind of the, right. the yeah, yeah. but there are people who are philosophers of science and philosophers of math and they linked them and they're the ones who remember. Yeah. And it sounds like, um, yeah, it sounds like there, there's just maybe a need for us to kind of get some time in each other's camps a little bit. So in, in other words, um, it, I think we've maybe, you know, we, everything gets polarized in our, in our country. We tend to yeah, I right. mean, politically polarize. We polarize around our sports teams. We've, and so then it's like, well, I'm not going to put my kid in a, in a, in a, in a ro I keep using the logos or robot building thing because yeah. we, we go to a classical Christian school. So is that an, okay, I mean, are you, would you encourage that? Like maybe to press the boundaries outside of even school. So if your child... I mean, to give them more of a well-rounded experience, what would that look like? Yeah, I, well, I think some of, I mean, there's, it, it's really difficult, particularly when it comes to dictating what your kids do sure. throughout the day. and all. But I think when it comes to education, what it's going to be, I mean, ditches are easy. That's just their natural for us. And yeah. we're, to say on the road is hard. I think it's got to come from the top down. It's got to be administrators and teachers starting to get the message and then being trained. And what's nice is that there's, you really can do so much there's so many good resources books things like that that you can give for teacher training that just kind of opens up the teacher's eyes and the, the administration's yeah. eyes and they're like ah okay yeah. and I think that's going to be the big key just making sure they that's the first step because mm -hmm. I, I, I mean I'm thinking that's often many people pick classical Christian schools it's sort of a K-6 mindset and part of what's in the back of their head is we know we've got to get our kid ready for college yeah. and we want to go more the math route so we're going to kind of detach in middle school or high school and then go over and pick up this other school to get this engineering right, thing that we right. really want. Yeah, and, and, and you yeah. don't, and again, I think it's fairly easy when it comes to say the, okay, what are we going to do to get our high school kids into college, you know, SAT, ACT. The math for that's fairly low. I mean, you know, I mean, math is hard and that's just the way it is. But if you, if you reverse engineered a curriculum that you made sure that, okay, there are these concepts that are being covered in the SAT, 
I just got to make sure as I'm going through my math curriculum and that I'm hitting those hard on the way. Because most of them aren't useless and they're just things you got to know. Yeah. And, and there's not a ton. Yeah. And, and so I think you can do both. Yeah. That's well, and I think, and kind of, I think, Davies, what you're driving at is the, the conversation becomes, well, what are we going to do then with our kid who wants to be an engineer but isn't going to get, again, this crazy number of hours on the STEM side of things at a classical Christian school? Yeah, do doing, you supplement that somehow? Is yeah, it, and, yeah. And, and, then, and so then thinking is, and Ryan, this is the explanation, so I guess I want to hear if your thoughts, if this is being articulated appropriately from an administrator level, is we're teaching you how to think. We're teaching you the ways to reason. We're teaching how these things are connected. Yeah. You're not going to get right. you know, hundreds of hours in the lab, but you're going to understand how to think about things. Is that the right way to approach that? You used the phrase less is more. Early. Yeah. Is that the kind of? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And, and, and here's, here's the, the danger is just us wanting to do everything. Mm. I mean, we have that as parents. We have that as teachers. We have, I mean. I think it's our just, American worship of speed and volume. <laughs> oh, man. It, it is so deadly. You know, the um, European math texts, like German math texts versus American math texts. I mean, that like, you know, 60 some concepts versus nine. Mm, really? You know, I mean, some, I mean, that's just one right. example. But the we can do more with less, but it's got to be the right kind of less. And you need people who have a foot in the STEM and yeah. in the humanities to be able to make those choices. You know, so... I mean, I just look back at my own engineering career. The the things that I wish I would have learned that prepared me for my engineering career, there was so much that I did need and so much that I did. Some of the fundamentals that I wish would have been just hammered mm. in. Like just stuff, most of it I didn't use, but so much that I did use, I covered cursor, you know, just really quickly. So I didn't really have a handle on that either. So I ended up really kind of not, I mean, I did, you know, I got the grades and all of that, but... It, we could do this a lot better, and it's not hard. Once we know what to focus on, mm-hmm. and it all of a sudden starts clicking, and the whole big picture comes together. So yeah. if you're out there near a school and you don't have a, a Mitch Stokes, you don't have somebody who loves philosophy and can do engineering and likes engineering as a teacher, just a practical standpoint, what does that what does that what does that school do? What are they thinking about in terms of curricularly and, yeah, and right. how to integrate classes? And yeah, um, again, that's a that's a big question. The first thing to do is to start getting the the teachers reading some just very central, high yield books. You know, I mean, you can't read everything. There's only so much you can do, but there are a handful. You know, I mean, like when I, someone just asked me, okay, what would you do for a mathematics teacher um, who's just like trying to get their bearings? Morris Klein, Western, uh, mathematics and Western culture. You know, it's just like an, it's not perfect, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's really, really good. And it makes such a, you know, we're on the steep part of the learning curve. So like even a little bit of effort, we're skyrocketing. Yeah. So it's going to be getting the right, material yeah. into the yeah. uh, teacher's hands, but that's not difficult. It's just right now, you know, it's kind of one of those things I wish I had. I could just go, all right, go to my website. Here's a list of things you want to read. Do it. This is it. I mean, it, you don't need me. Sure. But you do, 
we, you know, well, well we, we do team. need somebody like you that's taken the machete into the jungle and said, there's a way through right. this, there's a right. path. And here are resources that you can point to. Because again, you said earlier, I think it's the heart of the whole problem is that none of us experience this. We grew up somewhere along the way being told, oh, you're going to go the math route. You're going to go the, the humanities route and never shall these two meet again. And I think right. to be able to say, look, even, and then you get somebody who's teaching or even a parent trying to figure out, do I put my child on path A or B? And it's it shouldn't be a dichotomy. They, they should coexist. And, right. And there's ways to do that. And again, we, we shouldn't try to say, you know, we shouldn't tell parents, you know, don't worry about them getting into college. Don't worry about that. You don't want, you can't do that either. I mean, that's not realistic. They need to, I mean, yeah. this is the culture we live in, but it's not doing well in math and the SAT is not a super high bar if you pull back on some other yeah. things that are less effective or less important. Yeah. And, and is, I know our time's going to be short. Mitch, i got to ask, too, as a, as a calculus teacher, and I'm looking at my daughter who's going to be taking some calculus, I think, for me next year. She's really <laughs> hating this interview. <laughs> um, should, why, should, why should students pursue calculus? I mean, again, it seems like that's, oh, that's for the science yeah, kids. Yeah, right, right. Well, I th- the, the, there are two, two reasons. One is the story of calculus actually goes back to the story of Western culture, and I kind of alluded to that when we were talking about scientific, the scientific revolution excuse me, and Newton and inventing the, in order to character, to understand the world around us philosophically, they had to figure out a mathematics that could characterize change. Mm. And that's what calculus is, the mathematics of change. And you, the reason we think the way we do, the reason we love science the way we do is because of calculus. And you can tell the whole story of Western culture, or at least a lot of it, um, through the story of calculus, uh, which I actually have, I do. I do with my students. And um, we actually have a, I'll just say this, a yeah, textbook coming out um, that does this. Mm. Um, and, and the other thing, too, is that we tend to teach calculus in a way that, you know, we have this pre-calculus course, let's say, where you have to learn, tr- you know, it's like kind of a grab bag of random concepts that, yeah. so you can take a standard calculus class. But I teach calculus with just polynomials. Yeah. And so what I can do is I can teach them derivatives, limits, integrals, fundamental theorem, slopes, areas, physical applications, all with polynomials. <laughs> and, so they, wow. and so what they can do, they don't go, wait, that derivative for the log, what was that about? How is that related? Well, it's something else. It's just a trick for that particular function. Yeah. What I want you to know is what a derivative is. It's a mm-hmm. slope. I wish I'd have had you as my calculus I teacher know. in high school. I'm just saying. Well, be, yeah. well, one of the things is that I look back, and, he, and, and here's another key, too. I think not knowing has been a big driver for me because I, 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 I ask questions. I'm a skeptic. Yep. I, yep. I thrive on trying to understand, and if I don't, I tend to not believe it. So not knowing what I was doing, but then going back and going, you know, yeah. why was it so confusing? I can do the problems with the, and then I learn, oh, that's what we were doing. Why, why didn't someone just like take a week and just tell me what calculus was about yeah. like at the very end yeah. or something like that? Right. I would Maybe. have been like, oh. would have made a lot more sense. Okay. I see. Well, Mitch, I, I know a lot of people are intrigued and encouraged with what you're saying. Are there resources that you've, I know, I know you've written, you got calculus for everyone, I guess is coming mm-hmm. out. Yeah. That'll be coming out this, this year for 
yeah, and then full blown the following yeah. year. Yeah, and then I, some of these other books on it, I love just your titles alone biographies of Newton and Galileo. And your books have included A Shot of Faith to the Head. I love that. Be a confident, confident believer in an age of cranky atheist on Thomas Nelson. So you, <laughs> I can hear you pursuing your own discovery yeah. of, of skepticism and working it through in these books. So, well, yeah. and, and even in the, other, the last one is How to Be an Atheist. You yeah. Know, why atheist? Well, I Why just so many wonder, skeptics aren't you know, skeptical enough. Like, yeah. come on, guys. If I were an atheist, I'd be way more skeptical than that. <laughs> I mean, I am. I mean, come on. Let's I love do it. this right. Yeah. Well, these but, are but a lot yeah. of them really just tie in history of philosophy yeah. and science together, and you can't avoid it. If, you're, you, if you avoid it, then you haven't really taught yeah. either. You're not a good skeptic. I like that. There you go. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a skeptic, be a good skeptic. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so where can people find your... Do you have a website, or where do people find I your... I do have research? a website, but it, you know, okay. just for books, Amazon. Yeah. Or, I still want to order an air derivative gas turbine uh, engine. Are those available online somewhere? <laughs> those are, I'm sure Rolls Royce. If Could you give me Google one. them. I'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mitch, thanks so much for being a part of Basecamp Live. My We're pleasure. Thanks so, for having so me. So encouraged to have you on here. Thank gonna, you, Mitch. Yeah, Kelly and I are going to go off and build a robot right Seriously. now. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Basecamp Live. You know, raising the next generation of young people isn't easy, but we'd like to offer you some opportunities to join your fellow travelers in this journey of ancient future education. Hey, Kelly, you know what's really exciting? We just added to the website, basecamplive.com, a whole section that's uh, designed around getting the word out. It's called Start Here. If you're new, it tells you how to get fully subscribe to it. If you're a school leader, um, you can you can link on to your school website and kind of get updates every time we do a new show is released. It appears in the school website. That's kind of that's kind of exciting. And, and one of the things that I'm really excited about is this new climbers idea that we're putting together. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just simply we want to hear stories. I mean, the, what, what I'm humbled by are the number of people literally around the globe who are saying there's a better way to raise the next generation, and they're jumping in whatever their context is. And we want to know what you're doing and kind of how you discovered this. And we're just going to create some kind of smaller little vignettes of stories of people. And uh, so, yeah, info at BasecampLive.com. Let us know what your story is. Yeah, we don't have to do this alone. Info at BasecampLive.com. That sounds great. All right. Thanks for joining us and see you at the next episode.